It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host Jared and joining me tonight are John and Sean. How are you, John? I'm good. Um, excitingly, I booked my flight back to Edinburgh this year for Christmas. So yeah, that's an exciting thing to look forward to, finally getting to see the family and stuff. Probably see a few Celtic games when I'm over there. So yeah, good, good week. Yeah. How are you, Sean? Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm still not allowed to. Still not allowed out of the state yet, or well, to you more accurate, not allowed back in. Um, yeah. so I've no no flights booked for me. Yeah, it's going okay. I had some chocolates sitting out for trick or treaters the other night. Not a single one came to the door, apart from a bit later in the night when they came visiting with some eggs to share with me <laughs> in my garage. Eggs are not fun to clean off a garage. No, <laughs> I think everyone listening would be thinking better you than me, Sean. <laughs> it could be worse. I heard that some poor kids in Glasgow got Sevco season tickets in their trick or treat bag. <laughs> yeah, that is spooky. <laughs> yeah, sick. Some sick people. Right in there. They don't even have to dress up though, you know, because they're all zombies. So zombies, they yeah. So. their everyday costume. Yeah. Uh, yeah Somebody put one million Sevco shares into their bag. Ah, <laughs> oh, this is shaky. They don't get a Snickers. <laughs> All right, so everyone, if you can do us a favor and just uh, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the Celtic Down Under podcast. If you're listening via Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave us a review, preferably five stars, because that means you're the best <laughs> in our eyes, anyway. So, um, it's a couple of games to discuss and a few little topics, and then we'll just crack on straight into it. So, Sean, I'll throw to you first Celtic three, Hibs one. 
I'll get the uh, starting lineup here. So we started with Joe Hart and goals. Left back was Juranovic. Starfelt, Carter Vickers at centre back. Ralston at right back. Turnbull, McGregor, Rogic in the midfield. Mikey Johnson out left. Jota out right. And Kyogo through the middle. What was your thoughts when you saw the lineup and how the game played out? I actually wasn't planning to get up for this one because it was at 2.45 a.m. Um, but then my, my wife woke me up with her snoring. I was like, ah, fuck it, I'm up. Uh, so I did watch it and it, it, I was interested to see the lineup. Um, uh, Jack and Mac is back on the bench, which was I expected in, in that. And we, we started on fire. We absolutely killed them in the first 30 minutes. Uh, and that was... That's something we've done a few times down the year. Uh, we did it at Pataudry a couple of years ago, and we've, I think we've done it. I mean, it's the first time we've won at Easter Road since 2014, so maximum credit, you know. Uh, considering we hadn't won an away game for six months, that's now three on the bounce. And I was saying to you guys uh, on the chat and the side, like, when we were, after the Dundee United draw, we were previewing, like, oh, we've got... Motherwell, Aberdeen and Hibs away and I was saying oh I can't see he's getting any more than four points from that and here we've got nine so that's brilliant in all of those contexts you know and also we played great on the day uh Tom Rogic absolutely killed them first half Alex Gogic was lucky to make it to half time Joe Hartman two great saves that would have so like 3-1 flattered them but also they had two one-on-one chances that Joe Hart pulled off world-class saves with so even though the score flattered them and Mikey Johnson was great and was just a like a bee's deck away from putting one on a plate for Kyogo. Um the, it could have still gone wrong with those one-on-one efforts. Hibbs played better second half, but overall, win at Easter Road, first time in seven years, brilliant. Yeah, Sean, I just want to quickly do something here. Four points you said we'd get out of the nine. Yeah. Yeah, just happy, just happy to be wrong. I'm just glad you were wrong. No, so am I. Yeah, I'm delighted. I'm not. I'm not gonna like try and defend my position there. I'm delighted. Ah, you, they're the ones you want to be wrong for. So that's yeah, good. exactly. So, uh, what was your take on the game, John? Um, yeah, uh, much the same as Sean's. Um, I thought the first thirty minutes, obviously, we absolutely just smashed them. Um, I thought it was good to see Mikey Johnson back in the first team. Um, and I think he, I thought he played well. Um, I, look, I mean, it's not really in his game to make, you know, runs to the byline and then cross it in. But I think when he cuts in and he tries to do all that stuff where he's passing around the front of the box, it's great. I, I, I enjoy that from his game. Um, I, I thought some of the, I think this is the first game we've been really seeing some of the players really sort of gelling together in a, an exciting way, more so than we've seen before. Um like I hate the term, but that sort of ticky-tacky stuff that's, you know, the quick passing around um, the box and stuff was just fantastic to see. It was a, You know, Kyogo should have probably got a couple of those. Um, Jota was, you know, good and stuff. Um, yeah, I'm pleased. Like like we're saying, we've, it's Easter Road is a uh, hard venue for us away and stuff. So, yeah, I'm generally pleased that we got that result. Second half, obviously, was a disappointment, but um, we just took our foot off the gas a little bit. I think Hibs came out a bit more. Well, yeah, we looked visibly. Sorry, sorry, Jared. Yeah, I agree with you. What you're saying about the first half there for me, John. It was that's the talk. The the thing of Ange Ball. That's it. Perfect. Like that is the perfect example of what it is. Okay, we we're a little wasteful with a couple of chances in the first half, and in the second half, 
for me, it was more of the same where Hibs come out, they could have scored a couple. We could have scored a few as well. So it's one of them games where it was 3-1 going on 7-2, 7-3 in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those games we knew it would be open. I'm not too upset about the second half. I'm just glad we got through it and, yeah, got the picked up the points. It's the main thing. What were you going to say, Sean? Uh, no, I was going to just on the back of John's point about um, taking the foot off the gas. I actually thought we looked visibly tired. The players looked like you could tell one by one, like who was getting tired quickest, you know, like uh, I was just sending messages. Oh, this player looks tired now. This player looks tired now. Da, da, da. And like to my dad and brother and, like, and I was like, yeah, we're keeping the ball in the corner. That was two two whole minutes keeping two and a half minutes keeping the ball in the corner was unbelievable but my dad and brother like, why the hell are we doing that as it like the players have looked out in their feet for the last 20 minutes do you know what i mean like so even though like andrew ball you're talking about i think we've still got a bit catching up to do in terms of uh sports science and squad management and, and i get that the squad management thing is to do with how thin the squad is as well uh but there's still some work to do there if we do want to have this relentless it's for 90 minutes because we absolutely killed them for half an hour and then it kind of tapered off to after an hour we were just kind of game managing you know it, which is it's fine we're already with it worked but i'm and i'm just saying like if we that's not where we want to be yet but to get a full 90 minutes is, yeah look it's not it's not necessarily where we want to be now but oh, sorry, i mean of course yeah, yeah or, or, or ever right it's it's but um I, I just from continuing what you're saying, I I absolutely agree that sometimes that's how you know you win leagues, right? You 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 do dominate for thirty minutes, forty minutes, and then maybe the rest of the game you don't achieve that you know level of play and stuff, and the rest of the game is just about game management. So that's how you, that's you know that's generally how you win three points. That's how you win a league. So um, it'd be great to see us <laughs> playing like that for ninety minutes, and I think maybe we saw a bit of that during the Rogers era and stuff, but. Um, yeah, I, I think that's how you win a league. It's funny you say that, John, because I was going to jump in on what you were saying where, you know, you win games on 20, 30-minute bursts or whatever, and then you bring up Rogers. During that 60-odd game run where we didn't lose a game, we were doing that. We were going out there early on and we're just putting a few goals and then we'll just cruise and then put another goal in after half time and just cruise the rest of the second half. There was games where we'd battle it out to the 60-minute mark, then go whack, 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 three quick goals, and then, Pretty much just, you know, change the way we're playing, turn it down a tempo and just cruise it out. Like, but I'm looking at it going, I don't want to, I'm not trying to forget the best way to say it. It's not a recency bias because of Andrew's in the chair now. But what I'm thinking is we did that in the past. We managed games. There's nothing wrong with that. Especially when, as Sean said, guys are looking visibly fatigued. Because we had so many injuries, guys have played a lot more minutes. Their, their workload's probably been higher than it should be. And we had no squad depth. Now we built that up. We've got another window coming up in two months' time. Strengthen again, get more squad depth, and off we go. And then by that time, end of January, sports science guys been in longer. More guys will get their fitness up. I think it's good that there's a clear chart. We're here, then we move to here, then we move to the next step, then we move to the next step and grow and build as a program. It's not going to be like we just come in and yeah. we're suddenly the first team in the league. We saw well, the that same, same thing here now, John, is what we're seeing is what Ronnie went through in his first season. Let's sure. be honest. Yeah. After New Orleans, there was no fitness. 
yeah. right in his first season. We had we had to build up our player fitness. It's the exact same thing now. Yeah, I think um, there's just a, like a good point that we're bringing up and stuff here. But there's a couple of players you can see the experience where. Um, which is where we have kind of clicked all of a sudden. There has been that click, Jared. I think, where it's just all of a sudden, you know, we before Ange came in, we were really struggling with their players full stop. But to to have these players come in that have the experience to be able to manage games is such a massive bonus for us where we are right now. And you can see the difference, and I'll give you examples, between how Abada and when he was here, Clamalla played, where it was, they were, they both generally tried to just non-stop run for 90 minutes. And then you can compare that sort of work ethic to say how Edouard plays, where he's consistently trying to manage where he wants to, you know, um, step up a gear and explode with energy and try and get a goal. And there's like, I think, I think there's a bit of experience there, obviously the different types of players and stuff, but you know, really what we want is the Edouard types, maybe a little bit more work ethic, but or uh, depending on the position, because I, st- I still think he's what he was doing was absolutely undeniably elite. What we want is players that have the experience to be able to know when to hunt, when to click, when to go, and when to maybe manage their energy levels. That's his experience. Well, if you rotate, you don't really necessarily need that. But <clears throat> I will, and that's a but that's the benefit of maybe having a larger squad, which we also don't have right now. Yeah, we need two people at every position. We've been saying it for a while, and that's the one thing difference between us and Rangers. I'll say at the moment, you look at them; they take Morales out, they bring Sakala in. We take yeah. Kyogo out. We've got Jackamacus, great, but after that, what do we have? Look on the right wing; we've got a barter. We've, we're moving Jota over there, for instance. You look at left back; we've got five options there, but we're playing a right back there. That's where we've got to just get this depth in, depth into the squad, but that'll take time. We said it would be a good, you know, two, three windows before we get to that level. So yeah. we've just got to be a bit patient as a support, which actually ties into the next game. If you're done with the Hibs game, guys, we'll roll on to the, uh, the Livy game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only thing I would mention uh, to go with that night was uh, – how the fuck did John Beaton think that was a penalty? Um, would be the only other thing I would say. Yeah, the, yeah. Bad. That's the, bad, the Hans game, right? That's what you mean. Yeah, I've watched it like twenty times and I still can't figure it out. But anyway, nothing's gonna happen. Let's let's just talk. Yeah, let's move on because talking let's an hour about that. We don't even want to talk about it again because it's like we talk about this every second week and it's yeah. Yeah. We're and we're given five minutes every week to just bag out there because of calls Rangers got. I'm just done. I've had enough of that bullshit. Yeah. Nothing's changing. Let's just accept that status quo. <laughs> yep. So Livy, nil all draw. Same back five with Hart and goals. Ralston at right back. Carter Vickers and staff out centre back. Juranovic at left back. Midfield, there was a change of Rogic out. Buton in, along with McGregor and Turnbull. And then in this one, we gave Kyogo a rest, so Abada right, Jota left, Jakimakis in the middle. Now, something I wanted to look at here was, this is the thing that annoyed the shit out of me on this game, and I'll let you guys get into it in more depth and whatever, right? But 
16 shots to two, 86% possession of their 14, 881 passes to their 154. Their pass accuracy was at 51%, ours was at 90. Yet somehow, with all that possession, it was 10 fouls each. <laughs> that ties into what we are just saying about the referees. They had, and then the corners were six to three. They had five offsides, one red card, all that sort of stuff, right? But the fouls, with the amount of possession we had yet again, that's another thing. But we had enough chances, in my opinion. We should have converted, but there was a point, I can't remember when it was or which player it was, but there was a point, I think it was in the second half, where their striker gets the ball just about to cross the halfway line and their manager is screaming at him to run to the corner and there's still like 30 minutes to go. I'm like, what sort of anti-football is this? But we half expected that with Libby. So I just think as a supporter base, we look a little uh, bipolar. It's probably the nicest way to sum it up in terms of you see that everyone, they're all on, taking their happy pills on after the Hibs game. And just football is the best. This is the best football in the world. We're going to win the league. We're going to win the Europa League, blah, blah, blah. You see that shit. And then after the Libby game, we get booed off the pitch. And everyone, you see Twitter is just melting down. It's just like, patience, guys. Come on. But I'll throw to you, John. What's your thoughts on the game? Well, where to begin? I think um, I think Livy just perfectly um, set up their tactics to, to get what exactly what they wanted out of the game. Um, I think it's very, very difficult, whatever team you are, to um, win games when your opposition just sits back for 90 minutes and tries to run out the clock with that, you know, low block, 10 men behind the ball, not really trying to win the game, just trying to get a point. It's it's unbelievably difficult for the best of teams. To then throw in the factor which, you know, a lot of these players are only, you know, playing together for less than half a year, um, not really experiencing opposition that are just there to try and uh, get a draw. It's 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 obviously not ideal, I, and I, I I don't think it's the catastrophe that maybe others do. Um, I like to four points before even before Christmas off the top. That's a good position for any team to be in. Are we are we so fearful of our own standards? that we don't think that we're going to be able to, you know, maybe get drawn by Christmas or if not, go ahead. Like, that, that, of course, that's still an opportunity. It's still, still a possibility. Um, there's a couple of things. Obviously, look, we can talk about the penalty um, and we could talk about maybe like Giacomacus, um maybe not taken, shouldn't have t- taken in the first place. Um, by all accounts, what Andrew was saying afterwards, he was and is the penalty taker when he's on the pitch, and Jovanovic is just the second, um, you know, person to take them after when he's not on the pitch. I'm absolutely fine with that. I, I remember watching the game, thinking, "Oh Jesus, the, the pressure he mis- must be under it, in front of all the Celtic fans." It's a nil-nil. It's right at the end of the game, and he's probably not used to that level of pressure. So yeah, look, I give him the benefit of the doubt there, and and he can only get better. So. Um, and there was obviously the opportunities elsewhere. Um, I think there was a Kyogo opportunity, which he just, 
you know, ran through the legs of all the players and all he had to do is tap it in and just don't think he realised it was going to get through to him. Um, I think I remember seeing as well the RXG by the end of the game was um, like over two. So so it, for all intensive purposes, we should have won the game. The first half was just, you know, not good um, as far as actually trying to break down the low block. And I think in, in, in games like that, we just have to up the tempo um, of passing around and um, trying to take different opportunities rather than trying to pass through the middle or um, take long shots, things like I think Turnbull and McGregor were trying to do that at some points. So look, I, it's, I think we can all agree we expected this from Livingston. Um, it's difficult to break down a low block for 90 minutes. And I don't think the season's over just because we drew at home to Livingston. We, we talked about this a few weeks ago and I, and I brought it up then like the <clears throat> when you're playing against these low blocks is you have to rely on the low percentage things like we talked about the Turnbull long range goal and I'm saying well how often does that go in well he's not scored one since you know we talked about the set piece headers like that's a higher percentage than the long range shots but it's still a low percentage you know we've got two against tips so there we've used up our quota for the week uh, so do you know what I mean like we weren't game planning for these uh, kind of goals that you need to get to break down these teams, and yeah, like you—that's really what you need to do. Is you re- when there's so many the XG you're talking about, all that really accounts for is the position you're on the pitch when you take the shot. It's not accounting for the fact that you're taking a shot from 15 yards and there's 10 bodies in front of you. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it could be one on one with the goalkeeper from 15 yards, or it could be 10 players blocking you and it's giving you the same XG. I'm a pinball, Sean. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, exactly. So you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Uh, but yeah, I, I think we didn't necessarily game plan for what Livingston came to do. They had a better game plan, and if we were putting out that game plan against Barcelona or Real Madrid, we'd be celebrating it. So I'm not going to yeah. kill them for it. Uh, we were holding the ball in the corner against Hibs again. So I'm not going to kill them for that tactic. Um. And I think the only realistic difference we could have made was putting other than personnel, you know, other than having someone like Bo Baldy or Chris Julian to ping the ball towards or Chris Sutton. That's the only as a personnel thing. But in terms of what we could have done different on the day, the only thing really would be, as you said, John, would be to just have uh, more intensity, greater tempo. Uh, what you're saying, Jared, about the 10 fouls thing, I, I've been kind of keeping like because we have been committing more fouls in opposition teams I've, I've been like right we're getting different referees every week and it's always the same outcome so that's kind of suggests to me it's not really the referees so I'm like what's going on here and and what I'm thinking is that um so we obviously put in a high press and a hard press so your players that are not defenders tackling for the ball right so straight away you know that's players that aren't gifted that are doing that um so that's going to give you fouls. And another thing I've noticed as well from opposition players is they play for fouls, whereas we are playing for the ball. So there, if, say, like a Livingston player gets into our half, he's the only player against Joe Hart and three Celtic defenders. He's looking for contact from a Celtic player. So I actually noticed that against Motherwell uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, who was the player? Tony Watt. So what he does when the ball's in the air is he backs into the defender and then he just flops as soon as the ball touches. So if the ball hits him in the chest and there's a Celtic defender touching him, he just flops. And like half the time the referee will play on and half the time he gets a foul. And for them, that's a good tactic to do that. Like they know they're not going to get it every time, but 
if he tries to play on and tries to play the ball and try to keep possession, then he knows he's going to lose it. So that's a, a 50-50 shot at a foul is better for them than try to keep possession. I'll just clarify what I meant by that, Sean. Okay, yes, we are pressing. I understand that we will have a high percentage of fouls further up the pitch. But what I was more what I was referring to that annoys me is if we had 10 fouls called in our favor, mm-hmm. the majority of those fouls are just waived as advantage. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's thing that annoys another me thing. More than anything. Yeah. Yep, they, yep. As you're saying, like Tony Watt plays for the foul, he gets a free kick. You look against Rangers the first home game last year where Christie would give those fouls up the pitch and then they put those two crosses in for goals in the score. Mm-hmm. Those things they play and they get the foul. The ref blows it, they get the set piece. We don't get the set piece because yep. he just goes advantage and play on. That's the thing what I'm talking about in the foul count. Yes, it was yep. 10 all. We had a lot more possession. I understand that. But it's how those fouls are being called in the game. But that's I coaching. It's coaching though, because the players have been coached to maybe our coach just is, is averse to it, or maybe he just knows that we're not very good at scoring from set pieces or whatever. But he, you know, it's coaching. Steven Gerrard tells Morelos and Roof to go down like a sack of potatoes. Whereas our coach says, try and stay in your feet, try and get the ball off, you know, like if you do win a foul, get it yeah, quick, moving yeah. straight away. Do you know what I mean? Like that's it's I'll, coaching. I'll it's just not. I'll just adjust my tinfoil hat here a little bit. I do think they're getting direction. <laughs> I do, I think the refs are getting <laughs> overall direction from somebody to make sure that, it goes certain it's ways. Be a referee's boss somewhere. Like we've got that. <laughs> I think in the there is. We've got that in the A League where you've got the ref, head of referees, which is like Strubray Jalowski used to ref, and he was like the dodgiest fucking ref over here, in my opinion. He was just shit, but. He's now running the refs, but he's got three full-time refs who are FIFA accredited, and then he's got these other guys who are part-time refs. So there's got to be someone over in Scotland in the Strebray role over here overseeing the refs and saying, these are our points of emphasis this week. This is what we want to make sure that we're calling. Because you see that in other sports. (laughs) I think that's a guarantee. You also got other things like referees have came out and said that they actively amongst themselves talk about who goes down easy and things like that. So if you get like a couple of occasions, like Edward dived, uh, I think two times that I remember to try and win a penalty, Edward took a dive. Uh, So then he's not going to get any 50-50 fouls in future because it's now spreading around the referee circles, he goes down easy. Which is so interesting because to me, in my head, that just backs up that when you can see the other side where we can, we'll just discuss how they might have been coached to go down easy for certain challenges. If, If refs are having those open conversations saying they discuss who goes down easy, why is it not just every forward who's wearing the blue top? Because um, because I'm making the point that they do it against Celtic, but not necessarily against other teams. Oh yeah, Johnson will yeah, get the yeah, call. Yeah. yeah, no. So every call in a blue top. Vincent Johnson will get it. Dundee will get every <laughs> call. You know, everyone will change their tops to blue except for us, just to get all yeah. the calls. You know how it is. I'm fine with that. I think. Look, just going <laughs> going back to the Livy game, right? Um, they they had set up. I think just to to clarify what me and Sean were saying about like intensity and tempo. I think there's. 
there was times when we were sending the ball out to our wingers and Livy had three players on us at one point. Not just not just like what we used to with the two. They had three defenders straight up and it just caused us to pass, the winger would pass it back to Zim McGregor or Turnbull, whoever. Yeah. The tempo and and, and the, the fast pace, um, the, the, the fast passing and stuff needs to be in more of a counter-attacking sense. So we need to draw... When in those small opportunities, where and it did happen, when Livy actually bring some of their midfield and some of their forwards out, that's when we need to then, when we win the ball back, really quickly shift the ball up and try and get an opportunity there. Because just moving it fast across the front of the box to our wingers, the crossing is just not gonna not gonna work. Like it's just the opportunity there, and we're not gonna be able to take a long shot because, like you say, the pinball stuff and all that. So it has to be when you can get Livy players or whoever it is doing a low block to move towards the halfway line and if not over it and then you hit them hard and fast. Something that popped in on my head just then is Ange previously when he's coaching over here and at the Socceroos, his teams would have that press, they'd go hard and if someone was sitting back deep, they would retreat and bring their attackers back outside the box so the defence has got to step up. Then one of the eights or the six would then hit a diagonal ball over to the other winger to get him behind, and then they get in the byline and look for a cutbacks to get him behind them and have to turn the defenders around. Uh, we, I haven't seen us do that much this season at all. And that's yeah. something that now that I think back, Melbourne Victory did that all the time. He did that a lot at Brisbane Raw. He did that at the soccer. I'm like, oh, once that starts coming into it, that could possibly fix this option, this issue as well. Mm. Yeah. There's, look, it's it's actually a really difficult thing to um, to plan for. Is just when a team wants to have a low block for nine minutes. It, there, there. You look, we're talking about one scenario in which you could potentially get some goals, which is exactly what we're discussing. But the opportunities of those are, will be far and few between, and most of the game will will be where you try and move everybody, including your defenders, up past the halfway line to try and get a goal. And sometimes you just need a bit of luck there. You just need to hope hope for a deflection or somehow you can get somebody out of position and make an error for half a second and then you get through. And that's experience and, you know, talent. We just scored the early goal, John, and then they won't be able to sit back as bad. And then after coming well, out and playing, then that puts that... Exactly. That's something that's Rogers it. used to talk about all the time, getting the first goal early. He did. And, and in but, fact, the fans came to expect it, right? Sorry, Sean. The fans came to expect it. We, we used to complain about not scoring a goal in the first 15 minutes. It's like, you know, that's a, that's a hard thing to do. But, you know, that was that was the Roger style. Yeah, I was going to just say, I, I felt that we really missed Tom Rogic as well. Um, yeah. Like, he, what he did against Tabs, could have, he could have done against Livingston. And <clears throat> if you look at what was the, the Anthony Ralston goal, he won the free kick for that. Uh Stuff like he's just, I don't know, he just has a really great timing and vision for his final pass. It's not always the most accurate, but it's, he sees things that other people don't see and just has good kind of instinct for that. And then we did miss that. Term, and Postacoglu said before the match, oh, the two names he actually dropped as replacements were Calmac and Jota is to replace his number 10. He didn't actually say David Turnbull. And then when we played Livy, it was David Turnbull. Uh, but Turnbull can't actually do the things that Tom Rogic can do. As good as he is, he's, he can't do those things. Yeah. Know? Different type of player. 
I, I would I, I would like Jota in there. I think like something I was thinking about last week is that Jota looks like a number ten, like that he can play there. And another thing that I was actually thinking about is that Ralston looks like a centre back sometimes. And I would be I can see a game coming up in the near future where we've got a couple of injuries and he get, he gets put in there. What about seven centre backs? So how many injuries are we gonna need? No. Well, no, we've not because who's who's in now? Welsh, and then who's after that? It's Dane Murray, isn't it? That's true. And scales. Oh, Scales forgot about him. Oh. Yeah, okay. God, yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Completely forgot about him as well. Hopefully he'll oh. get more from one of the games. Yeah, I'll look at it and go, Jota would be good in the 10, but someone else who I think could also play that would be Mikey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a 10. He, he was great against Ibs. I'm not surprised he didn't start against Levy, given how much he put in against Ibs and how long he's been out, but he, he was great. Yeah, best of, best of best games for us, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, we actually have quite a lot of joy, uh, quite a lot of experience now in our in our attackers. I mean, both wingers, our forward and our attacking midfield, we can kind of rotate a lot of them around. If you know what I mean, Jota can play both sides. Kyogo could play through the middle or to the left. Um, Forest can sort of maybe flick between the two, but obviously he's better on the right and stuff. And you know what we're saying about Jot. And even did correct me if I'm wrong here, but did uh, Kyogo not drop into the turn roll for the Livy game? Uh, oh, for the, I think lie. for the last I'm twenty minutes or fifteen. Lie, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I think he, if I remember rightly, I think he did. Um, which was because um, I seem to remember the commentator saying that's interesting that Kyogo dropped there. So even so look, so even might even have Kyogo playing in those. Anywhere, probably in the front four, I guess. Just play so, him and um, Jack and Marcus together as a as a as a pair. You got a, you know, target man and a secondary striker playing off him as a ten. Yeah, I actually think on the Ralston thing, I think if we were to try and stick two up front and we were to go to a back three, I think we might see Ralston as the third. You know, on the right. Ten. Yeah, playing on the right as the third centre back. Yeah, that could, that, I think that. Yeah, the way exactly the way that Lustig used to do. I think that's that might be something he might be able to do, which would work fine for us. And the, and and the more opportunities, especially you know, um, I can't remember what the game was, but Biton was in was playing in the as the defensive midfielder, and then he dropped in. Oh, it was the Livy game, wasn't it? And he dropped into defence when Starfelt came off. Mm, oh, you mean Sunday there? Uh, Saturday? Yeah. Uh, again, drinking. Um. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, that's the issue in it when it's that time. Um, I think he did. Anyway, that gives us that's even more options and even more depth. So it's just good to see that. And hopefully, when we we do move into the January transfer window, we buy those types of players that can play in more than just one position. So, mm-hmm. so Sean, you added something to the run sheet there. A couple of things that you want to discuss. You've got about the women's game, and you've got another topic there. So I'll throw it to you. Uh, yeah, it was when we went on that little run of uh, clean sheets there, the 2 0, 2 0, 2 0. I was like, right, we might have actually cracked this, got the defence sorted. Um, and hearing that we, I'm actually just trying to confirm it just now because it's been two games since I looked it up. Uh, but hearing that we have the best defensive record, uh, is that still accurate that we have the best defensive record in the league? I think so, yeah. Uh, anyway, so what I did was I went back and I was like, right. Does having the best defensive record correlate to uh, being the best team? So I went down and actually I just kept going, kept working my way back. Yeah, we do, Sean. 
and the 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 way I would do good, yeah, because it was Dundee United and Hearts at the time, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's we're one goal better off than Dundee United. We had considered seven, they considered eight. Cool. So I was working my way back and just seeing right that the best team with the best defensive record win the league, and uh, no matter how far back I went, the, it kept a pretty steady trend at seventy five percent of the time. Um, the team with the best defense wins the league. <laughs> so if, if we can if we can keep the defense sorted or even whatever you want to look at it, um, then we basically have a three times better chance, three to one, that we'll win the league if we can keep the defense sorted. So basically, what you're saying, John, is offense gets the glory, but defense wins the game. Do you, no, so the, the, there's actually a saying that. What I've heard before is the saying that uh, goals win your games, but defense wins your leagues. That's the saying that goes back. There you go. Yeah. So I, do we not have the best of fucking offensive record as well just now? Are we not like... Well, the Hun scored six at the weekend, so probably not. Oh, probably no, not now. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, we'll change that shortly. But yeah, Christ, that's that's great to hear. Uh, and, and, and we've even got Julian to come back in. Do you know what I mean? So... We, we potentially can only get stronger. I wouldn't be expecting too much on him. Let's be honest. Like everyone's like, Julian's coming back. Julian's coming back, and everyone's got this, you know, this feel warm and fuzzy. Oh, this six foot seven centre back's coming back. But he had so many. Like, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong, but he had so many moments where he was a bit of a bomb scare here and there, and he'd make mistakes. And it's going to take him coming back off a knee injury. It's going to take him time to get up to speed get his fitness up and get used to the way Ange plays and all that sort of stuff. So realistically, I think we've got to give him a good three, four month run in the team before we can expect him to be a difference maker. All right. Like injuries aside, right? If we had peak Julian, just there too. Oh yeah, just straight in instead of Starfelt. Yeah. Okay. That's what I was going to ask. Who would you rather Starfelt or Julian? Yeah. I'm not even sure he fits the system we're playing, uh, but he is a set piece threat and we need that. We could have done with it at the weekend. Yeah. If you're relying on Anthony Ralston to score your goals, you know. Oh, well, yeah. Hey, stop bagging that Ralston. Yeah, he, he comes <laughs> in. You're going to have to get, deal with four more years of him. I, I, well, I, I do have a few things to say about him when we get to that topic. That are well, let's jump straight things. to it, and then we can discuss the women's off the back of that. Okay. Okay. So, so yeah, um, yeah, it was when uh, I'm actually delighted that he signed that contract. Um, I'll always call back to when I seen him playing as a 16, 17 year old for Queen's Park uh, in the flesh and I was very impressed then and I thought he'd fucked it up but he's turned it around this year and uh, it's brilliant. So he's turning 23 in two weeks time but what jumped out at me from his interview about signing this new contract is that he has a, a infant a child and I'm like that's pretty young to have a kid, and let, you know, apart from Lee Griffiths accidentally impregnating people, like it sounds like he deliberately has a kid, um, which is quite a strange thing to have for someone that age, especially a footballer. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping that I'm feeling that that might have made the difference. Just putting two and two together and maybe getting five, but I feel that maybe that's what settled him down and actually uh, changed him. Yeah, changed him into the player he is now. So. I don't see it changing. I don't see him dropping off. I see him being a settled and focused player from now on. What do you think it is, John? What do you think? <sighs> the yeah. reason? Uh, I, I, maybe just um, 
given the right system and the right opportunity. Uh, just on Ralston's age, uh, sometimes I forget how young he is. You look at him and you could easily say he's 35 years old. Do you know what I mean? Like there's, <laughs> he, he has a yeah. dead old soul, doesn't he? But um, yeah, maybe a bit of maturity is really what you, I think that's what you're saying, Sean. And that's probably yeah. just, you know, um, made him concentrate and be focused and, and crack on with, you know, his, his career and stuff. But look, I'm, I'm elated. I think that he's, he's, gone ahead and signed this quite long deal and stuff i mean that gets us to him to about 27 28 right so um that's that's, uh, that's good yeah yeah well i mean look if, if he continues at the pace he is he'll probably get another shorter contract um towards the end because we want him to we want him to be at celtic during his peak right um but but i i i still i really really like ralston i think he's a very very good player um, he it's his uh, top to lose, his position to lose right now. There's still a bit of me that thinks that for us to then progress to the next level, maybe in the next 18 months to two years, we will we will still need another right back. And to have Ralston still at the club is a fantastic thing, especially if we're going to you know need to rotate players and and injuries and all that stuff. But I think long term, much longer than the next this season or even into next. Um, yeah, I would probably see another right back coming in still. He's still going to be on relatively shite money. Do you know what I mean? Like he's on, he'll be on David Turnbull money. Do you know what I mean? Like what? Yeah. Somewhere between six and ten thousand. Like he's not on Callum McGregor twenty five thousand. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. he's not anywhere yeah, near yeah. that. So it's, just good, that's good backup money. Let's be honest. What we're paying there, squad player. If you got yeah. him on that, and you've got say, Juranovic, you're probably paying him what fifteen to twenty. So yeah. if you've got two of them covering. The right back position for thirty thousand—that's pretty good. Yeah, I, look, I, it, I would. I, I don't know if Juranovic is going to be playing right back long term. I th- like maybe it means I was getting a better left back, but I feel like when we don't have a, a full left back flying, he's moving over there. So that still puts a big gap in the right back position. I think. We talked about this before with these teams like Porto and stuff that challenge in Europe is the way they build their squad is they have like a dozen or more players on that kind of salary and then they'll have four or five big jump between those, you know, almost like the US system and the Australian system where you have the the marquee players. Celtic just don't have that. It's just really a linear sliding scale from the captain down and it's, you know, uh, maybe we should be looking at that, I don't know, but um, either way, Ralston's the sort of player on that sort of salary that you need in your squad. Someone you can trust, trust and rely on, and is not bursting the bank. Do you know who he? Do you know who Ralston's? I've just this has come to me just now. He he screams of um, Izagiri, to be honest, a peak Izagiri, right? So like someone that we can all acknowledge that probably isn't where we want to be, but is still a very good player, and even when they're you know the second. Um, second in the hierarchy of that position, you, you're still quite are happy you, with that. Are you mean enough that Izaguri come back from his busted leg? Uh, no, <laughs> or before that, yeah, before before he broke his leg was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, that's was, that's that's what player of the year in the league, mate. So to, to say that Ralston's ahead of that, you kind of put your foot in your mouth. <laughs> no, I don't think he's. A, I don't think he's ahead of it. No, 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 I don't think he's ahead. I, I mean that that's a a similar type. Do you know what I mean? For me, I would categorize. Ralston just now and Izagiri at his best in a recognition that they're good players and all of that, 
But is that really where we want to be long term? Probably not. We probably still need someone to come in. And or either side, because we discussed, you know, like Ivanovic's stuff can play either side. So we just we either need the better left back or we need the better right back. I think if Ivanovic is a starting left uh starting right back for Croatia with how well they are, I think he's good enough for a right back position with Ralston as backup. It's a matter of getting Taylor back at left back so that Ant has someone who he trusts there. And then in a year's time, we need to upgrade over Taylor. I'm not saying he's the answer there. Don't get me wrong at all there. He's yeah, not the answer. Yeah. He's a good player. He's serviceable. But do you see Monty developing to take that spot and be the number one left back? Who knows? You know, do you see Scales doing that? No, I think if we played a back three, Scales' ideal position would be on the left side of a back three. That's where I think he's better suited. But and then would you who else would you have at left back? Like, are you gonna play Bolongoli? Bolongoli suits Andrew's system perfectly, in my opinion. But are we as a fan base gonna believe in him and give him a second chance? Probably not. So probably doubtful. not as a fan base. I'm certainly not. Yeah, but exactly. So, not me as an individual, no. Yeah. yeah the, I'm there's so the many so many players there with, that we've that we've acknowledged that probably fits Andrew's system is, you know, better than somebody who's ahead of him, blah blah blah. I still feel like that group of players isn't where we need to be to get to that, to that, you know, the Champions League levels that we were when Rodgers was around and we had Dembele and stuff. Like we still need to, there's still a, a gap between where we are now and where we should be. Ideally, John, if we could grab that whole group of players and go, let's take Bolongoli's attack and put Taylor's defense with it, yeah. then you've got Tierney. Let's yeah. be honest. Uh, that's, that's, that's what we're yeah. missing. Yeah. Uh, exactly, exactly. And even then, Tierney wasn't the best defender at the time. Anyway, he was. But where he was able to bob up and then Lustig and Tuck would duck in and be a solid yeah. back three. So that was how he offset that. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's one of them things where that is a weak spot for us. I think collectively, there's a good player there, but not when it's spread over four, four or five players. That's just that's just yeah. That's where that's where we're at right now. But. Um, having Ralston in and around the team, no matter what, no matter what we're talking about, anything else, four-year deal is fantastic. He deserves it. He's definitely brought his game up. So, yeah, please for him. All right, let's uh, kick on to the next topic. So, Sean, you had about the Celtic women's result. Yep, just wanted to, <clears throat> excuse me, just celebrate that. It's always good uh, when you can win a Glasgow derby. So we managed to pump the Rangers in the Sevco in the Cup 1-0. Uh, Charlie Wellings scored the only goal of the game, uh, our summer signing from down in England, Bristol. Uh, yeah, so that's us into the semi-finals of the Women's Cup. Uh, so always a good thing. I've decided to follow Charlie on uh, Twitter. It's interesting because a couple of weeks ago she, she scored a couple of goals and, I was, and Celtic had tagged her. Uh, on their Twitter, and it wasn't even her. It was just somebody else called C. Wellings. So now they've figured out who the correct Charlie Wellings is, and she's getting some of the appreciation and love that she deserves when you score the winning goal against Sevco in a cup derby. Well, that's awkward, Celtic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I clicked on it, and I was like, who the hell is this person? <laughs> it's not I'm It's not even the same first name. Probably some person works at a bloody movie place selling popcorn. Getting, yeah, getting thousands of, of likes. There you go, lovely. So, yeah. talking about Glasgow Derby, 
Rangers fans will be locked out of the next Glasgow derby. So my question, boys, who's going to referee the game then? <laughs> uh, Willie Cobham? <laughs> yeah. uh, that was uh, good, Jared. Had, I like that. Just had to say it. Had to say it. Um, yeah, it's, it's good, though, that we're responding in the same way. They lock our guys out. Fuck his. It's good to see. I, I want us to be the be- a bigger club and be better than them, but at the same time, I want us to be just as petty. Being like, yeah. you guys are a ban- bunch of bunch of pricks. Jam it. <laughs> so, uh, good. Happy days. I think, I think that Celtic are doing a, setting up a little trap here because they know that the rule doesn't, you know, like nobody was complaining because of the red zone thing, but now the red zone thing's gone. That we're the rule now applies about away fans getting tickets. So now, if we don't agree, they have to then go to the SPFL, who they're fighting with, and can and ask to be given tickets. So they have to look for the SPFL to help them to get tickets. I think I'm we're setting it up. Yeah, I that think we're setting exactly up exactly what we're doing. <laughs> That's yeah, so clever. <laughs> yeah, so I, I I couldn't give a shit if they get in or not. Like if they're in great, better atmosphere. If they're not, ha ha, get up you. But um, yeah, the fact that we're baiting them into having to go groveling to the SPFL is was I'm delighted with that move. And it's a win win for Celtic because either um you don't have Rangers fans in you know in in Celtic Park or the SFA has to tell us and then we just blame we just blame them and they say well we never wanted to do it it's you know it's yeah the org- and then we organize yeah and then we get back in for the next one as well in March. yeah and exactly yeah 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 no I I, I mean me I, I'm I'm enjoying the tit for tat absolutely absolutely yeah so did come out and said yeah well we'll do this but if they want to do it for the next derby that they're hosting and go back to a ticket allocation. We're happy to do that for the second batches of the season. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we've got the home game after the split. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Look, I mean, <clears throat> ideally, look, if, if we if we were to not take the bias out every second, as a neutral, right, if you if you were a neutral, it is good to see when there's like, you know, we were back to the days where there's 8,000 of us, um, in the away ends and stuff and that atmosphere was great and stuff and I've been to a few of those games where it was just you know it's enjoy. it's just that's what you want it's what you support Zoic for is games like that but no at this point if if that's if we're going to if they're going to reduce us to 800 then we reduce them to 800 if they block us out we block them out and that's fine that's just how it goes and until we're told otherwise or force a change that's the, that's the, that's the system that's the system that's the game that they have set up they've made the bed do you know what I mean? Like, it's not, we've never started over on this side. It's completely started for their side because they couldn't hack us winning. That was it. That's, that's the whole system started when they reduced us from 8,800. So, yeah. So, just, just something that just came in mind that's actually not exactly related to this is there's a stitch up coming down the line. And I'm just going to flag it right now. Put a, put, a fla- put a flag in this, a pin in this, 3rd of November. Okay. Uh, of the top seven teams in the league. We are obviously one of them, uh, which means there's six other teams. Of that six teams, we have played five of them away in the first round of fixtures, which means when it comes to the post-split, the only team we are scheduled to play not at Celtic Park. So like the only team that we should we are scheduled to play away after the split, if it finishes the way it is today, is 
Dundee United and every other game should be a home game. So we're going to get three away games against uh, Hearts, Hibs or Aberdeen or Motherwell, whoever. So we're going to wow. get stitched up. It's stitched up out of two home games. We're going to get, we're going to have basically one of those top teams. We're going to have three away and one home. So here, I'm just yeah. flagging it now. It's going to happen. Yeah. Of course it is. Operation stops Zoic. Mm-hmm. At all costs. Well, you say that, John. See, it's a, it's a bit of a, I'm going to use that as a bit of a carry on. So, the next topic we've got on our run sheet is Hibbs Games versus Ross County and Livingston are off due to a COVID outbreak at Hibbs. Do you guys hear about this? Yeah. I, I actually heard about it like five minutes before kickoff. I was like, what? So, saw this tweet and it summed up exactly what I was thinking. So, I'm just going to read it. Double standards once again in the SPFL. Post Dubai, Celtic were made to play a couple of games with 16 players and staff isolating due to one COVID case. Hibernia allowed to postpone games not once now, but twice. And then it goes only fighting the corrupt Scottish FA and the complicit SPFL. I just thought, hmm, yeah, that sums it up in a way that I know the, the way the testing and everything has changed, but still it kind of grinds my gears a little bit where I'm like, we were forced to play guys who had no right to be playing in the Scottish Premiership for Celtic at that point last year. And I know it's, that's in the past and everything, but, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, they shouldn't be postponed. And if they have to play the under-18s, play the under-18s. I thought that's what the agreement was at the start of the season. I think when we had to do ours, uh, that was after Kilmarnock had been forced to forfeit. And then after, so like maybe February, March, I don't remember when, Kilmarnock won their appeal against those four. Is that right? Am I right? And they had to, and they got to play the games. So it was like we played it in the middle of, it, as in it was after teams had forfeited and before they'd won those appeals against the forfeits. So, yeah, but I'm talking about this actual season going in, the league actually come out at the start of the season and said that Going into it, there's not going to be any gains delayed for COVID regulations. Teams are going to be this was actually said in the process. I remember reading it, and I remember James Forrest on the Celtic blog did a big write-up on it too, with all sorts of different issues. It was like a seven or eight page thing that you'd have to go through and read it all. But one of the things said that if that happened, because of rapid testing, they could lock guys down sooner. And then if they had to, you had to play the reserves, had to play the under 18s, whatever, or it was a forfeit. Oh, your two options. That was all you had. I must so the fact that they've been allowed to postpone games five months later after that that decision would have been made, it's just, I don't know, I just find it not right. Mm. We, we would, we, look, if if that, if that we're to take that as just the, that's the matter of the fact, right, with all the stuff that was said beforehand, you would you would expect consistency and, and uh, as an ex, as a minimum expectation. Um, within the, the context of this season. So if that's what said beforehand, me personally, I think the context of last year might not necessarily apply this year. I think there's we've moved on quite a lot in the pandemic from... Look, we probably... I think the the controversy, controversy is actually last year we shouldn't have played those games full stop. The, again, the controversy this year, if, if, if the Hibs game was to go ahead... That would be, I, I would say, that would be a wrong decision. So they're probably making the right decision now, and they made the wrong decision last year, and that needs to be focused in that context of last year. Um, but 
if they had said beforehand, as you say, Jared, that it the postponement of games was just not going to happen for COVID, and they've gone ahead and done that, then some sort of investigate. And I, I, I think I might have read somewhere that Celtic were trying to investigate this, or there was some sort of investigation going on, or something like that, just a, or a query about why that was happening. Um, so it'd be interesting to see any results of, of something like that coming out. But yeah, it's not not great, but I'm not outraged by it or anything. At the end of the day, I'm not I'm not too fussed about it. Like I hope whoever's got COVID adheres, they they recover quickly, they get better. I hope whoever's been close contact, they don't end up getting a positive test off the back of it, all that sort of stuff because of the whole human element of it. But at the same time, I just want consistency. Mm-hmm. And I want whatever the rules are, if that's what if what they've said in preseason is what it's gonna be this season, that's what you've stated on the record. So as far as I'm concerned, that's what you've got to apply. So, yeah, you probably shouldn't be playing the games, but if they come out and said it pre-season and actually specifically said it and there was articles written about it and it was debated and it was on BBC, on podcasts, the works, then as far as I'm concerned, that's what they have to do. You can't move the goalposts mid-season. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. I also think just on that, I think – what we I think what we all deserve is some transparency. So if if there are a set of circumstances and factors that we're not aware of that has made this decision happen, then it, I, we absolutely have a right to find out why that is. Because you know, fans spend a lot of money in investing in in supporting their teams. So you know, we we we're, we're really. We have not. We might not be shareholders. We might not, might not be owners. Um, we might not have a direct financial investment in these clubs or, or the or Scottish football. But we, you know, spend a lot of money and a lot of time, and um, we deserve more transparency than's been that's been given from all the organisers, from the the um, SBFL, from the SFA, from Hibs, from whoever. We deserve some sort of communication. All of us. If you went into a department store and you wanted to buy something and they were treating you shit, you wouldn't go back, would you? No, exactly. So, and the, I'm, I know that's a bit of a strange leap here, but you've got to treat your customers with like integrity and you know be open with them and treat them right. And yeah, I think that's pretty much what well, I took out of what you were saying there, John. No, exactly. In in that analogy, if you were going to a department store every single day buying something that for five pounds but you've been going there for the last 20 years and all of a sudden that thing that you're buying has been shifted or moved or because somebody's made a decision and that's affected you because you go in every single day to get that thing you i think you have a right to be at least being told why it's been moved or why it's some that set of circumstances has changed you have you have a, you might not have a right or a say in what's happening but a bit of communication would be the the minimum that you're probably due there so yeah, you're absolutely right. Maybe customer service, but beyond that, a bit more. I don't know, just Clarity. decency. Oh, yeah, just yeah. But there you go. That's that's my uh, that's my little two cents on that. All right. Next topic we'll crack onto is the Scotland squad for the international break. So I always go through it. So Xander Clark got a call up. Craig Gordon and John McLaughlin. We've got Liam Cooper, Grant Hanley, Jack Hendry, Scott McKenna, Stephen O'Donnell, Nathan Patterson, Andy Robson, Kieran Tierney, even though he's injured, Stuart Armstrong, Lewis Ferguson, Billy Gilmore, John McGinn, 
Kel McGregor, Kenny McLean, Scott McTominay, David Turnbull, Shay Adams, Jacob Brown from Stoke got a call up. Ryan Christie, Lyndon Dykes, Ryan Fraser, Kevin Nisbet. Now, so Celtic only has two players in the squad, which I found a bit odd considering how dominant we used to be in the thing there. And the one that jumps out to me is at the right-back situation. Stephen O'Donnell, he deserves his spot. Nathan Does Patterson. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm just yeah. going to go through a couple of little facts for you here. So, O'Donnell, nine games, played 787 minutes, zero goals, one assist, 319 passes, fouls considered eight, tackles one six. Nathan Patterson, two games played, 94 minutes, one assist, 53 passes, two fouls considered, one tackles one. So what's the what's the time frame on that? That's for this this season. Oh, the right. Okay. He's played two games. And then the guy, I'm bring, the reason I'm bringing up, we discussed him earlier, Ralston. 10 games, 900 minutes, three goals, two assists, 685 passes, 23 fouls conceded, 18 tackles won. Hmm. So my question, boys, did Ralston deserve a call-up ahead of Patterson? That's yes. what... <laughs> Sorry, I'll let you finish. No, that's all I was going to say. Did he deserve a call-up and why? Uh, well, game time, if nothing else, like, are you going to bring someone in that's not got minutes in their legs? Uh, do you want do you want me to tell you why I think Patterson's in there? Go on. Uh, two reasons. One, to show that there's a fair, like, because Ryan Jack's injured is what I'm saying. If, if, if Ryan Jack was there, he'd be in the squad instead of Nathan Patterson, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, and the other being that on their social media, the SFA likes to put the little badge sponsored by JD Sports beside the names of players who have came through the Performance Academy, uh, meaning Nathan Parson and Billy Gilmore. Yeah, yeah. Look, does does Rousen deserve the call up? Yes, I think he does. I think he's very, very close to to being in that squad. It, I mean, obviously, we all agree that he should be in it now, but I think, I think, as things are, he could probably move beyond Stephen O'Donnell at some point in the future if he continues the way he's going. Well, I don't, I just don't see why not. It's it, probably down the moment, down to experience and minutes and all of that stuff. Um, but yeah, Ralston deserves that spot 100%. Look, I think, as I think, there's probably exactly what Sean's saying. There's a bit of like trying to seem fair and stuff. Look, James Forrest would be in that team in a flash as well if he was wasn't just coming back off an injury and stuff. And um, yeah, <laughs> do we back in the, there's also an element though, that when we weren't doing very well as a national squad, it was when it was Celtic in every single position, bar the ones that we didn't actually have Scottish players in. And we just didn't get through to any of the, you know, European finals or world, world cup finals or anything like that. So, you know, <laughs> we don't necessarily, it's not a given that just because we want more Celtic fans, Celtic players in there, that it's you know the right thing or anything like that. Um but yeah. John, can I can I come and join you in the tinfoil hat corner? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and suggest just, yeah, that so, yeah. suggest that Steve Clark well, do you think Steve Clark is getting kickbacks for driving up the transfer value of Nathan Patterson, who's going to go to Everton in January? Do you think he's getting kickbacks? You know, EBTs, Graham Sunis style. Oh, <laughs> oh maybe my, quite possible. My yeah. comment about that when you mentioned going to Everton. 
the real question is, if Patterson goes there, who's the main backup? Because they still got Coleman there, don't they? So who's going to be Coleman's backup? Is it going to be John Joe Kenny or Nathan Patterson? Maybe they'll do a swap deal and John Joe Kenny will go to <laughs> Ibrox. That'd be delightful. I would like to see that. <laughs> so I just did a quick count through of the of the Scotland squad, right? Players who are current, former, or youth players at Celtic, right? In the Scotland squad, there's 12 of them. Right, yeah. yeah. The rank so that shows, that. that shows a difference. Now, if you go through the Rangers side, I think there's four, if my maths was right, you know, if my memory's right. So, yeah, it's um, I wouldn't be too upset about it. But for me, the reason I, let, I said O'Donnell deserves his spot is because he's been working with Clark for that long. He knows that system inside out. And right back is a pretty weak spot in the current Scotland squad. And and look, some of the games, I'm just thinking back to the um, England-Scotland game where O'Donnell just played out his skin. It's not like he's a bad player at all. He's, an, he's, a, he's a very good player. I mean, he, um, it's just he's just, it's just the best right back we have for the national squad and stuff. And I think Ralston's very close at his feet. Patterson, I actually don't know what he's like, to be honest. I have no... And that's why I brought it up, John, because he's barely, he's not even getting a run out for his own club because he's yeah. behind Tavernier. So how the fuck can he get a call up to the national team when he's not playing for his own yeah. club? You've got someone who's starting week in, week out, not just in the league, but in the Europa League, and has, is in the form of his life. At I think Rousen's... Yeah, at some point you've got to go with it. You do. I think, I think Rousen's got a reputation to shake. I think I think there's still a a blemish, a mark against his name currently, and and probably an unjustified one at his current form. But I think others maybe that that aren't watching Celtic week in week out and aren't focusing on our on our team and stuff probably still have this question mark over his abilities. But it'll go. Based on his uh, failed loans at St Johnson and wherever else he was. Yeah, and the and the times where he started, you know, the PSG games and stuff like that and stuff. So you know, there's doesn't matter who you put it right back. Ah, like, yeah, I like there's another starting yeah. it right back against PSV or PSG, it wouldn't have even mattered. Uh, yeah. well, unless but, it, or Barcelona, it wouldn't have mattered. Like, uh, uh, I think maybe others would have <laughs> might have done a little bit better that, at that point, but I okay. agree. So, can I, can I get through a few foot with you? Jeremy Tolian, yeah, it would have been done, the same. Would he have done better? No, first, Scotland, yeah, yeah, <laughs> when uh. <laughs> Ralston playing against Neymar in the PSG. Oh, game. against it's, Neymar. Yeah, yeah. Like there's a sti- like what we're just saying is like there's games like that have sort of stigmatized Ralston's ability. So even though he's doing very, very well now, um, you know, that there's probably still others that are outside of Celtic that have a question mark over his you know, his his talents in that position because, you know, the the shit loans that he's had and, and some of the big games like the playing up against Neymar and stuff. One more for you, John. Christian Gamboa at right back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's yeah, many, yeah. That yeah, many people yeah. in that position that have been pretty shit for us that it's not going to matter who that was in who that, went that role. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Look, it, it's not like it's not me that you needed to convince. It's, it's probably Stephen Clark or the people that, um, you know, make those types of decisions that see those things and just maybe just give them a very superficial attention and then. If you're listening in, Steve Clark, because I know you, you're a regular listener and everything, you know, <laughs> give us a call, mate. Give us a call yeah. or an email. Let us know because you know you want to. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we've got a game against Ferenc Varos. 
in the Europa League, Friday our time, Thursday over in the UK. What's your uh, what are you expecting to see from the game, Sean? Uh, yeah, it's gonna be it could go one of two ways, really. I think it's gonna be I think it'll be a pretty even pretty even game. Uh I'm hoping to see some minutes for James Forrest, whether that's probably hopefully starting. Uh but I would yeah, I would be looking to save a few players for I guess it's is it home to Dundee the weekend after? So I don't know. But I'd be looking for a squad selection which has the weekend in mind, but also wants to get at least a point from the game. Because if we get a point, then like Ferenc Farris are cooked and we've got at least third place in the group, which is at the moment a realistic target, you know. Like if we can if we win, brilliant. We can start we can actually take those last two games seriously and go for a uh, a qualifying spot, but if we draw, fine. Third place is pretty much secure. Um, yeah, I, I want to not get injuries. I guess is is what I'm worried about. What about a score prediction then for you, Sean? Mm, yeah, one each. I'm going to say one one. John, what are you expecting from the game and the score prediction? Um, I th- I think um it's going to be much like Sean. I think it's going to be a really interesting game. I think we're going to really come out hard from the start. Um, I think it's a game that both teams probably would like to win. I th- um, but for us, we have the benefit of a win or a draw. Anything but a, a loss, basically, for us kind of gives us um, football beyond Christmas. Um, I probably, I, I personally, I don't see Ange resting anybody for any game ever. It's the game that's, you know, whatever he thinks is best for the for his opposition is probably what he's going to play. I would love to see James Forrest getting 50 minutes, 60 minutes, um, and just him scoring a goal would be fantastic. I I think we're going to win. From what I, from what we saw last time um, and where we, you know, the sort of style that we're playing just now, I think my, I, I'm saying 2-0. At home and everything, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Uh, no, are we? It's away. Oh, it's away. Oh, that bloody changes it. <laughs> um <sighs> Look, maybe, we, did, maybe it, we, we did win 2 0 at home, so congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's just what I was back in my head. Look, maybe, maybe, maybe not, maybe not as much as a 2 2 0 win. Then maybe, maybe a 2 1 win. Yeah, I was going to say it'll be one of the ones where I think we'll get out there, we'll get two early goals. Probably by the 30th minute, we'll be up 2 0, and then we'll just, you know, it'll just be a pretty even game the rest of the way. And then. They'll grab a late one probably in the 75th, 80 minute mark, and then you'll be nervous as, as all hell for the last 10, 15 when you factor in stoppage time and everything. But I think, yeah, yeah we'll get the 2 1 win. Yeah, Leverkusen and Beth is true with each other in the last game. So we're four points. We're four points. No, not really, because now we're four points off second and first. All right. So you, you want one of them to kill the other one? So that yeah, you do. Yeah. Into second. Yeah. That's so right. preferably quick, be quick um, <laughs> Leverkusen and smash Betis because, you know, then with how close our game was against Betis last time and then we've got them at home in the last, in the That's very true, last yeah. group stage mm-hmm. game, that'd be the best one for us because do you really think we're going to go to Leverkusen and smack them? No. Nah. Nah. Yeah, you're right. It's Betis for targeting. Yep. And yeah, then we've so, got um, on the weekend playing Dundee. So Lee Griffiths can't play in that game because he can't play his parents, parent club. So 
Yeah. What are you expecting to see going into that game, boys, before the international break? Better you first, John. Um, I wouldn't be fast if Lee Griffith played or not, to be honest. Um, I I would like to see us. I mean, I remember you saying, <laughs> "What holders against Jared?" But last time, the the big win against Livy um, didn't quite pan out that way. Yeah, there was a zero in it, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, halfway, halfway there. Halfway there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I I expect a big win. I, I think you're right, Jared. Though that we are due to absolutely pump a team, to be honest, and them putting six past. Um, in the last game and stuff, I think I'm going to say five, I'm going to say five nil. That's what I'm going to go for against the Dundee. What are you thinking, Sean? I think there's going to be some European fatigue. Uh, I think it will be depending on when we score first, either two now or three now. I don't think Dundee will offer much threat, other than maybe a few Charlie Adams set pieces and the and the long pass to the cam dog. Oh God, that guy's a tool. <laughs> what a knob. Yeah. So he can use his stupid Joker tattoo. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely numpty. Love it. Yeah. So what are you thinking, Sean? The score? Uh two now or three now, depending on uh I'll commit to two now. And I'm going with a three three nil win. And Jack and Marcus is going to have a hat trick as a way to silence the haters for missing the penalty. That's what he needs to do. He needs to turn up for the next game and just shut him and up. Just be like, "That's enough out of you." Shh. Yeah. yeah. Your number seven is up in, as your centre forward. You know, just deal with it. This is <laughs> me, sort of stuff. Yeah. Yep. He doesn't need to do that. All right. So, uh, just going to give a quick shout out to Liam. Uh, hope everything's all right, mate. Miss you, bud. Get on next week or whatever. And uh, condolences again to your family. That's a tough time. Final thought, boys, for the pod. Sean, we'll go first. I saw yours and pissed myself laughing earlier. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I was just thinking one uh, epic game of hide-and-seek from Cleo Smith that just came to an end today. Uh, Nice try, Cleo. But Maddie McCann still got the record. (laughs) Oh, fuck (laughs) you. <laughs> oh, uh, John, do you want to go next or do you want me to go? And uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, okay. <laughs> so mine's a little bit of a different vibe, I guess. Um, I just saw uh, during the week there, there was an article that came out that was um, Celtic have basically admitted that for the foreseeable at least, there's going to be no sort of renovation to the infrastructure at Barrowfield and um, the South Stand stuff. That's off the books. All capital is getting invested into the first team, apparently. Um, mm. And they have, though, opened up what was suggested to them, and they said we're still open to that, is um, sending out, I think it's a share order. Is that the correct terminology? Um, and if that does happen, and there is opportunities to buy more shares. I think that's the perfect opportunity to um, jump on the bandwagon for the Celtic Trust and for fans to actually start owning big parts of the club. I'm not saying we're going to dominate ownership like the German teams are or anything, but it's, you know, if that happens, I would say that's the opportunity for anyone who wants to to buy share, as many shares as they can afford and Celtic move towards fan ownership. 
And I wanted to touch on something that uh, I was going to say last week but didn't. So um, those watching the news, there's a, a player over here in the A-League called Josh Cavallo who is the first openly gay male footballer. So i just like to say it's a great step forward. Well done, Josh, and um, live your life, mate. It's good to see. Just be be your best self. That's pretty much it. So um, I think it's pretty fucked that he has to come out and actually, you know, come out in public as far as I'm concerned. Whose business is it? But if that makes him happier and more content, well, good luck to the guy. Exactly. We all still live in the shadow of Justin Fashioner, unfortunately. Exactly. All right. So if you're still hanging around at this point, please go to our Facebook page and group. Give them a like and a follow. Instagram and Twitter at Celtic Down. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Find our website, CelticDownUnder.com. And, uh, yeah, boys, let's hope we get some wins and uh, how, how. How, how. Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.